Hey guys, it's me. Not that you were expecting anyone else. Anyways, Gaming After College has a sponsor. I know, right? We're getting with the times. It's pretty exciting. Anyways, our sponsor of today's episode is Anchor. Anchor is a brand new service that lets you make podcasts, and they make it very easy to do so. All you need to do to make a podcast is right there on their app and right there on their website. On top of that, they handle automatic distribution of your podcast to various different platforms. So you don't have to do anything with RSS feeds. And then they look for sponsorships for your podcast with absolutely no minimum amount of listenership, which is great for me because I think I only have five of you guys out there listening to my beautiful voice and uh, keep going. Thanks, guys. The best part about Anchor, it's absolutely 100% free. So what are you waiting for? Go and try it out. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, guys, let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to Gaming After College, the only podcast that helps you manage your gaming time and your busy life. This is your host, Manny, speaking. So today we're going to be talking a little talking a little bit uh, about games, but not your usual games. Today we're going to talk about board games. Let's get started. <laughs> So today's episode will be Gaming After College's first shiny episode. So taking a page out of College Humor and Pokemon, a shiny episode is just like a normal episode, just a little bit different. And for those of you who aren't aware, of what the re- aren't aware of the reference, in Pokemon there exist shiny Pokemon, which are essentially just a regular Pokemon like Pikachu or Pichu or whatever, with a different color, and they're insanely rare to find. Um, and when you find them, you know, you, you, you best catch them because they're rare, obviously. Um, but they're the same. They're the same as every other Pokemon. They're just a different color. And that's what the College Humor thing, and let's hope they don't sue me and issue a cease and desist. College Humor has a show called uh, um, Actually. And so it's a, it's a nerdy game show where people are given um, a quote-unquote fact, and the contestants have to correct them like um actually and you know they they correct them however every now and then he has a thing called the shiny episode uh, or shiny question which are worth the same amount of points but they're just a little different so anyways go check them out and i know i'm plugging them and i'm not getting paid so hopefully they they they, they let this slide so we'll find out what happens if i do even have listeners but anyways let's move on uh so today i'm going to be talking about board games so not your average uh type of a video game obviously and uh, the reason for this is because sometimes you you, you want to play a board game. So board games often mirror a lot of the things we do on video games, especially when you when you play uh, a role playing game. And for those of you who are not aware, I actually do partake in a lot of board games. So I'm gonna go ahead and do four very quick synopses synopsi, four very quick synopsi or whatever, and quick reviews of some of my very my very favorite board games that you can just play um at home with your friends and host a dinner party or whatever and just invite everyone over i'm not going to be talking about too too much detail about each one and i'm not going to be giving i'm not going to be reviewing normal games so i'm not going to talk about monopoly i'm not going to talk about chess um and i'm not going to go too hardcore in the other direction so i'm not going to talk about dnd um although i love dnd but we're not going to be talking about those either. So let's uh, let's get started. Gotta relax. This is Earth Radio, and now here's human music. 
human music. I like it. Okay, so for the first thing I'm going to talk about is Pandemic. So Pandemic is, um, it's not fairly old. Uh, it's about 10 years old now, um, 2008. And it is a cooperative game. So this was my first foray into different board games. Um, for me, it was a brand new world to discover. I had just up until this point only played Checkers and Chess and Monopoly. And that's it. So maybe Trouble or Life every now and then. So Pandemic is a co-op game where you and about five people, uh, does not have to be five, you can play it with four. Um, it doesn't have to be six, I'm sorry. You can play it with four people. Um, you all play as different researchers or medical professionals in the world. Um, so you can play as an EMT tech, you can play as a um, scientist or whatever. And there exists um, four diseases that have spread around this whole world. And these diseases, um, as, as you play each turn, the disease starts to spread. Each disease is shown by uh, different colored blocks. Um, there, there's these like little cubes, and the map itself is just a map of the world, with all these things connecting, all these things connecting uh, each each of the major cities. My personal theory is that these lines connecting the major cities are just airlines, because that's one of the easiest ways that diseases can travel and especially in cover large amounts of, of space and as you're playing the game the object of the game is to find the cure or the vaccine or whatever for each of these diseases you don't have to completely eradicate the, each disease which you totally can um, eradication means that the disease no longer exists on the board ever and you never have to worry about that disease spreading ever again um, however finding a cure is just enough because if theoretically if you find the cure eventually you'll eradicate the disease um, so as you're playing the game each person has a limited limited amount of moves and they're able to move to different research stations um, that you can build where you can research for the cure to research for the cure you need to visit different cities that have the same disease collect their cards if you will because each each uh, each city has like these different cards and once you're able to attain these cards you're able to research uh, how to how to synthesize the cure? Um, sounds simple enough. And you play with your friends, so you you this, you're not versus anyone. You're you're actually versus the game. And the game itself actually has difficulty settings you can you can set. So for example, every now and then you will draw a card that's an epidemic card. So an epidemic card it's a huge influx of diseases all around the board, and uh, each each city can only have three of these cubes of the disease. So if you have three blue cubes, which has is they actually don't name the diseases. Uh, there's just the blue, red, yellow, and I think black. And you can only have three of each disease. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. Um, if you have three blue cubes on Singapore or whatever, and you there's an epidemic that happens and a huge influx of more blue comes to singapore that's not that's not that can't happen um this is mainly because the game only allows three cubes however what happens then is called a chain reaction so if a blue cube hits a space that already has three cubes or you know just interchange these colors if you want then that cube that that space that city can't have a fourth cube so instead every city connecting to it gets an additional cube and if those cubes already have more than three then every city connecting to them gets more cubes 
this is insane um it can lead to some interesting uh, styles of play um and i know i'm making it sound a little bit complex but it really isn't like you really just have to sit down and play or you can just watch it on youtube um but the game itself it, that, that's what it is you 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 go out trying to eradicate these, uh trying to find the vaccines for these diseases find the cures uh the gameplay for this takes about about an hour or more uh depending if it's your first time playing you know you're gonna do at least an hour and a half because for every little thing you're gonna be looking at the manual um the uh the the great website board game geek lists lists the game as about 45 minutes of playtime uh and eight ages uh eight ages eight and above um and it actually says that the best amount of players you can have is four so board game geek is a great website for all things board games and card games and uh, i would totally check them out and i will include the links to each of these board games in the show notes below uh, but yes definitely try to get in get get in pandemic they actually have a special 10 10th anniversary edition coming out um i did want to pick it up but i think they're all sold out um but anyways moving on so the next game i do want to talk to you guys about is actually exploding kittens so and just a, a quick little follow-up on pandemic so pandemic also has a different version called pandemic legacy so a legacy game is like a special little term in in the board game world and a legacy game is a game that you buy once and the game can last you mm, a whole year it, so you play in different sessions right similar to DD, you play in different play sessions and sometimes those play sessions last you an hour or more but as you're playing the game you actually you actually have to change the game so you you uh, um, attach stickers write in things you write in things in fields uh, that are on the cards or the board you change the game as you go so replayability from the start sometimes depending on the game isn't quite an option however um however i've been told that you know you're paying 60 dollars for a board game that's going to last you a whole year so that's pretty good which is true which is true you're, you're playing this for your enjoyment so if that's okay with you then go for it i have not played pandemic legacy but i have heard it is a great game and there's actually a season two so there's two pan pandemic legacies games out in the market right now all right so moving on to the next game and the next game is a card game and it goes by the name of exploding kittens all right so exploding kittens um if anyone's a fan of the oatmeal raise your hand so the oatmeal is a website uh, it's a webcomic website and they, they they have some very interesting uh styles of animation uh definitely check them out they're pretty awesome and the guy who created the oatmeal is actually the illustrator and and one of the creators of exploding kittens so all the cards that you play with they've all been meticulously uh painted by well i mean not every card but you know what i mean um, all the illustrations are from the oatmeal creator and it, it's actually pretty wacky and awesome and there's lots of cats and stuff it's, it's really great um, and one of the designers of the game I believe that it's like one of his friends so they both got together and made this game so exploding kittens is definitely not a co-op game uh, it could be if you want to partner up with like another player but by the end of the game everyone's versus each other and so let me let me try to give you a best uh, a quick run rundown so you and three other people sit down you each draw seven cards or five cards or whatever it is and you basically decide how you uh what, what your next move is so you can skip your turn 
you can make an, uh, another player take a turn you can see the top three cards on on the deck you can shuffle the deck and the purpose of the game is that there exists a a specific number of exploding kittens in the game or in the in the deck and when you draw this deck the kitten explodes and you're out of the game so the purpose the, obviously the purpose of the game is not to draw an exploding kitten and to force other players to draw an exploding kitten and you do this by uh and, and you do this by predicting the future, right? By checking out the first three cards, making other players take a turn, or skipping your turn entirely. And this makes for some really interesting end games when it's you versus one other person, because you know that the only card left in the game is an exploding kitten. And so there, there are always n minus one uh, exploding kittens. So by, by the n being the number of players. So if there are four players, there's only three kittens inside the deck. And if you do draw the deck, draw the exploding kitten in the beginning, you do. Each player is given a diffuse card so that you guys can diffuse the bomb. And there, there actually is, I think, two or three more diffuse cards in the deck, so it is possible to draw more than one diffuse. Um, but by by default, you're given one diffuse. So after you run out of that diffuse, <laughs> uh, you got to be careful of how you're drawing your cards from the deck. And you get more cards, like more of these see the future cards, more of these attack cards by drawing cards from the deck so <laughs> so the game is is high paced it's quick and it, it'll shatter friendships essentially um so board game geek is rating this game as a uh, i'm sorry is giving this game a 15 minute ga game uh, playtime, which is in my opinion yeah 100 accurate you you can probably knock out four rounds of this in an hour and depending on how good the, the other players are you can do it really quickly uh, so the game itself is from two to five players. Board Game Geek is saying the best amount of players is four to five, and that's true. The more players you have, the more exploding kittens that are in the deck, and the more fun you can all have. And it's great because you can straight up all gang up on one person and force them to take many turns, or you can just chill in the back and watch everyone attack each other in mayhem while you're just plotting your 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 winning strategy. Uh, there there is um. So I, I guess when you think about it, this game is sort of like a Russian roulette of card games. So the, yeah, it's actually it's actually a really great game. It's, it's a great party game, especially if you're at a Thanksgiving party, for example, and you just want to play it with your with your family members. There is an NSFW or not safe for work version of this game that has different cards um, and you know really uh, tantalous uh, illustrations. Um, I actually don't have that one. I just have the Exploding Kitten plus the DLC. The DLC, yeah, there is a DLC, right? It's not really downloadable. It's like expanded content. And um, it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, they, they, they introduce brand new cards and new uh, new ways of play. So it's, it's, it's really it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think that's all I had to say about Exploding Kittens, actually. Uh, great game. You can pick it up at uh, Target or Walmart. Actually... I don't know about Walmart. You can definitely pick it up at Target or just buy it on Amazon. It's, it's going to be around $25 probably. I don't know if they're ever going to make more expanded content. They they do have one. And like I said, it's a lot of fun. All right, cool. So moving on to the next board game. And as, as always, if anyone has any questions or any comments about how I organized this episode or any of my other episodes, please feel free to email me at gameafterCollege at gmail.com or tweet at me at GAC underscore podcast. All right, cool. So moving on to the next board game, Villainous. 
Alright, so Villainous is a brand new board game. It actually came out this year. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's by Disney. I believe it's published from Disney. Or put it this way. The guy who created the game partnered up with Disney. So it's pretty great. And you basically play as a villain, as, as the name, as the name uh, suggests. So you're, you're given about five different villains. I'm going to mess this up, but you're given about five different villains from the get-go. You got Maleficent, the Queen of Hearts, Captain Hook, Prince... Oh, man. Prince Richard from, 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 uh, from uh, Robin Hood. And I'm missing one. And Ursula, I believe. And the goal of the game is for you yourself. You, you take up the mantle of one of these villains and you're playing their story if they had won. So, for example, oh, and Jafar. Jafar is actually in this game too. Um, so, for example, for Maleficent, she would have won had Briar Ro Rose or Sleeping Beauty um, never woke up from her slumber and Prince Philip was killed in action. Uh, so that, that's what you want to do in the game. You want to infect all the pieces of the kingdom and you, you with a curse or the thorns or whatever from the movie. And that is your end goal, essentially. Uh, but to get to that end goal, you need to maneuver around the own restrictions of your character. So you can only do a certain amount of things this game or this round. You can only spend this amount of money. There's, there's money in this game um, to, to get your little grunts and minions and stuff. And essentially, each villain is like that. Each villain has an end game that they want to acquire. Uh, but they're, they have own restrictions with this game. Uh uh, they, I'm sorry, they have their own restrictions on their, their character and their abilities. So I know that the way I'm describing this game, I'm making it seem like it's just a solitaire game that you can just sit down and play by yourself, but you really can't because apart from the restrictions that your character has naturally, the other players in the game can choose to do what's called a fate action and cause havoc on your board. So each... each um, each player gets a board based on their their villain, and if you're if someone calls a fate action on you, then people from your story come in and cause you havoc. So, for example, if you're playing as Captain Hook, then you can actually um, someone can call a fate action on you, and then Peter Pan shows up, and that impedes your 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 success. That that impedes your story to basically win the game, and. Each, each villain has their own win conditions, and I'm trying to remember what all of them are. I know uh, Maleficent was you want to infect all the pieces of the kingdom, which just equals every every board, uh, every piece on, on your own board. I know for Prince John? Richard? Ugh, from Robin Hood, um, you want to get 20 gold pieces. Uh, so if you get 20, which you know all he wanted was money, money, money. Uh, you're great, but let's say Robin Hood gets called into action, then you lose money. So the end goal is definitely succeed in your own game, but try to impede everyone else. Uh, so it, it's actually a really fun game. Um, takes you about an hour to play, and um, you can play around two to four players. Um, Board Game Geek is rating that the best number of players is three. So. I wouldn't say that's true. I've played with four players every time I play this game, and it's a lot of fun. It's not too complex, and I, I hope I'm not over-complicating things for people. Uh, it, yeah, but like I said, it's a lot of fun. And the the makers of the game, actually, in their uh, in their sheet, in their the rule sheet, 
at the end they actually have like their website and if you go to the website you can actually vote on dlc so you can vote on what other villains you eventually want to come out so they can make a dlc for it which i think is where this game really shines if you're a big disney fan and you're a big disney villain fan this game is actually pretty great and uh so i already put in my vote for yzma because i freaking love the emperor's new groove and yzma herself she's just she's just a little crazy but i would love to have a game where you know someone can call kronk uh, or i can call kronk to help me out and or someone can call Cusco to impede, impede my my story um but th this game itself a lot of fun it is it is a little expensive as in it just came out i believe i paid 40 dollars for it so it's a little a little too pricey uh so go ahead and wait for a sale maybe black friday had a sale or cyber monday will have a sale um which I'm just noticing now that those dates have passed. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe for Christmas they'll have a sale. So be sure to check it out, and uh, I'll include the Board Game Geek analysis. And uh, they they also have like a huge summary on their games and explanation about the games. Uh, and I'll include that link in the show notes below. But let's move on to the last game I want to talk about, and probably my favorite game. And hopefully I don't talk too much. Betrayal at House on the Hill. Okay, so this game will be a little hard to describe, especially over a podcast format. So I'm just gonna keep it kind of, kind of high level. I'm not gonna talk about too much about the internal mechanics, um, except for my favorite mechanic. And uh, if you are very interested in this game, go go on YouTube. You'll find some great uh, videos explaining how to play. Um, and also in the show notes, I'll include the board game link, uh, the board game geek link. So you, you can view um, different pictures, summaries, um, explanations, and even reviews about this game. So Betrayal House on the Hill, it is my favorite board game to date. And the reason for this is both a co-op game and also not a co-op game. So let, let me just give you with the brief synopsis of how you play it. You and three friends or four friends, uh, you can play up to six people. Uh, board Game Geek is saying that five to six is the best. I've played it with four four is pretty fine um i've never played it with five and maybe we should but anyways you all go into this house for a reason like i i don't know what in what world you're just traveling with your friends and you see this abandoned house on a hill and you're like let's check that out but anyways um you go in and each each of your characters has different attributes so th this is actually a little closer to DD but, but just barely and uh so you have a speed attribute a mental attribute etc etc and you're able to move throughout the house the house itself though and this is my favorite complexity about this game when you walk in you're just in the foyer you're just in like the the main entryway and there's doors but you don't know where these doors go to as you as you walk into another room you take a tile from the from the the tile deck and you just place it down so you're building this house as you go and i've never had the same house twice obviously the same rooms right that the, the, there's like the crematorium room and the um the uh cap not the cafeteria but the dining room etc um but the house is never the same and so there's a basement level uh, a ground level and then an upper level and as you go for each room, you put down new tiles, you explore this house, as it were, even though it's just a board game, you're exploring it as you go for each room. And I think that's freaking awesome. <laughs> the game itself came out in 2004, and uh, I can't believe it took me so long to hear about this game. I, I first heard about it last year. 
and in each room and this is where i'm going to get a little a little into the complexities there could be like an event that happens like oh my god you hear a shrieking voice you see a little girl and this can either adversely affect you or affect you in a way that gives you a buff and as you're playing the game you enter these rooms with omens so i'm, I'm forgetting what the omens were but the, the omens are different cards that you can get and each time an omen is discovered by a character that character needs to roll what's called a haunt roll and uh, essentially let's say there are eight omens that were discovered in the game you have to roll dice you have to roll i think five or six dice and the value that comes out of that dice and the dice are only four-sided so they're from one to four and the value that comes out of that dice needs to be less needs to be greater than the haunt the haunt uh, the the omens so you need to roll nine or better if there was eight omens discovered however when inevitably you roll less than the number of omens on the board the haunt begins and that basically means that something happened something happened when you drew that last omen and when when the haunt begins you there's a special little uh, booklet uh with the haunts that you pull out and there's a nice little spreadsheet and say like, okay cool so we're in this room where we found the the omen here's the omen we found the omens are different cards and here's what haunt we're doing and there's a, a list of i think 32 haunts that you, can, that you can select from and whatever haunt you do get then that haunt happens so for example one of them is the cursed bride and essentially when this happens that player usually what happens when the haunt happens is a player is chosen sometimes it's the haunt roller sometimes it's not and a player is chosen at random to betray the group now they're the enemy and they have their own win condition so for example there's the haunted bride who is essentially looking for the reincarnation of their long-lost husband and once they find that person which is one of the players they can kill them bring them to the chapel and then they win and that, that, that that's their win condition however the win condition for the rest of the group they get their own players manual so when the haunt happens the person who is the haunt or the haunter or whatever or the betrayer they go into a separate room with their own special booklet detailing the haunt and how they're supposed to win. And then the other people, the, the rest of the group, they take the survival uh, handbook, look up the haunt, and this is the backstory they get and how they win. Um, and I believe for the, for the cursed bride, you need to find the actual remains of her long lost husband, take them to the crematorium and bury, or, or burn them or take them to the chapel. I'm not too sure, but obviously, it's a, it's a race against the clock in that game mode but there are over 30 hunts and so each one is all different and it, it's absolutely amazing uh replay, replayability is great you never know what hunt you're gonna get and it's just fun it, it's fun betraying the rest of the group because now you're the enemy um and also it's totally something you would see in a horror movie and i'm, hu I'm a huge horror movie fanatic and obviously you know i'm a huge horror movie buff because i did a whole episode on horror games and this board game is is the epitome of what i want in a board game so i i had a lot of fun playing it and i played every now and then i played during every october and uh, i totally recommend anyone out there to go buy it and the, the last thing i do want to bring up about this game is that this year i believe let me just fact check myself uh yeah 
this year saw the creation and oh not the creation saw the unveiling of betrayal legacy so betrayal house on the hill now has a legacy portion or legacy game and it's just called betrayal legacy and that game came out this year and like i said before in the pandemic version the the legacy games are games that don't really have much replayability from the beginning but grant you a ton of hours of playtime. So this this legacy game I might actually end up buying. And so they, they actually give it more of a storyline where there are 13 chapters and each chapter takes place in a different time zone, or I'm sorry, not time zone, time era. So from the early Victorian, Victorian era to the colonial era, or I'm sorry, change those up. And then to the um, World War II era, Roaring Twenties, whatever. So you actually play as a, a different family member um, from different families that live in, in the house. And there's like an overarching story and the story changes as you play. So it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think each round is just another Betrayal House on the Hill. It's like appearing into, in the 1700s, this is what happened in the house. And then you play a round of normal House on the Hill. But at the end of the game, it changes the rest of the future rounds of the game. So it looks pretty awesome. Uh, so Board Game Geek is saying that the best amount of players is five. Uh, the maximum amount of players is five. You can play three to five players. And it looks like each chapter, should you choose, right? Each chapter will take you about 45 to 90 minutes, which is pretty on par. Um, this game is something I will probably look into a little bit more. I might actually spend some time reading this Board Game Geek link, which again, I'll put in the show notes below. Uh, it's definitely worth your time to play the original. And since this game just came out, you may find the original on a discount or on sale. Uh, but yeah, definitely check them out. All right, guys. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode of Gaming After College. This is the first shiny episode. Granted, maybe board games are better played during college. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I just found out about different board games a few years ago. So, you know, forgive me. Uh, as always, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, ideas for new episodes please send me an email at gamingaftercollege at gmail.com and you can tweet at me at GAC underscore podcast. And, uh, well, there you have it. This is Gaming After College and this is your host, Maddie.